Hello and welcome to The Loudspeaker, your definitive guide on how to scale your startup. This first tip for every fintech startup is what are the media and press saying about us, how are we being perceived by these people? PR stunts are any activities that allow you to engage with the audience. I don't agree with the fact that our publicity is good publicity. Here is where we talk to communications professionals from all around the world to let you know what are the best practices and cool ideas that you can implement for your startups. If you just want to start us off by um, sharing with our listeners a brief explanation of who you are and what Iron Paper does, please, Jonathan. Sure. Yeah. So um, Iron Paper is a specialized agency. We consider ourselves a growth agency in, in that we help both the marketing and sales side. Um, we specifically work with B2B companies that have a, a complex sale, a high price point, a long sales cycle, and more often than not, a group decision process where there's no single empowered buyer, but there's a kind of a, 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 a group of people who come together, possibly from different functional areas, to make a decision that'll be tr that'll be truly impactful for their for their organization, um, we we help with um, running ABM campaigns, improving inbound, and um, accelerating demand gen. Um, but in our work, we focus on a single metric, gen helping companies generate a qualified leads that can become sales opportunities. And um, I think what I love about my role is, is I get to help companies grow. I, I, I'm, I'm passionate about that subject. I love, I love helping companies solve their growth problems and, um, and reframing what they do that, in terms that buyers would understand. Awesome, excellent. And I'm really happy to have you on because you seem like the perfect person to, to discuss our topic today, which is focusing on um, tofu uh, to bofu and we're gonna be looking at the general marketing pipeline there. Now, I'm sure that many of our listeners will know what this is and what these acronyms mean, but in case anyone is unfamiliar with these terms, can you briefly explain what tofu and bofu mean and how this funnel works? Absolutely. So the, the funnel um, from top of the funnel to bottom of the funnel is, is basically a, a staging system for a buyer's decision process. And a lot of marketers think of it in, in terms of three stages. There's top of the funnel, which has a lot to do with awareness. Um, middle of the funnel, where they start to put options on the table that they're exploring and investigating. And then there's bottom of the funnel, where they're starting to eliminate the options in their exploration and decision process. And, 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 and they're zeroing in on um, the, 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 the decision point. You know, do we select from the options available or or do we abandon the decision process altogether? So with, with top of the funnel, um, there are different ways that marketers describe um, the, the, the top of the funnel decision process. Um, but one, there's one commonality, which is it is about awareness. A lot of marketers may think about it as, as awareness of a brand, but I don't, I don't agree with that. I think the top of the funnel is, is, is where a buyer becomes more aware but they have a significant problem worth solving, a challenge worth solving. And they're, they're not yet committed to investing in the solving of that problem yet. They're exploring and learning. It's a, it's, and, um, and 
a lot of times what companies are doing at this stage is, is they're trying to understand, um, you know, is it worth concentrating our time, concentrating our resources, you know, to solve this problem? Is, is this a problem worth solving? Is it a, is it a challenge that truly infect, uh, affects our company? I just want to mention, though, a lot of comp you know, a lot of marketers will focus on the awareness stage, or the kind of top of the funnel stage as a an awareness of a brand. Um, but since Iron Paper works with companies that have a longer decision cycle and a high price point, we find that um, what a company starts to purchase in the beginning of their sales process and their decision process may change. They'll learn. They become educated. Um, and, and through and over time, what they s start to, to to purchase may may change as as they gain more information. Okay, yeah, I have to say, of all of the topics within marketing, I really enjoy this one because I come from a psychology background, and there you mentioning that highlights the fact that I think this journey is a perfect fusion between marketing and psychology, and your understanding or trying to understand at least what they're going through, what stages they're going through and how you can direct them to choose you out of everyone else and the kind of content that you put in front of them. Now, I know this different or this varies rather between um, business to business and business to consumer. And for this episode, yeah. we'll largely focus on business to business funnels. But I want to take a moment to clarify what the difference is between B2B funnels and B2C funnels and why that is important. Could you explain the difference between the two uh, for our listeners, please? Absolutely. So um, in the context of B2C, um, what, 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 I, what I find is that users can make a purchase more impulsively. Um, they may just simply... Um, give it a try and make a decision in the moment. So there, there can be a more of an emotional connection to the decision process. There's, there's less research involved typically. Um, there may be a greater emphasis on the user's personal, uh, the user's experience of a, of a product, software, tool. Um, and it's, a, it's oftentimes a shorter sales cycle because there's less people involved. Whereas when you're purchasing on behalf of a business, Typically, what I find is that there will be more than, a, than one person involved in the decision process because you're trying to make a decision on behalf of a business, an organization that is committing to a change of some sort. If they're purchasing services or a product or a kind of a platform, they're trying to gain a better understanding of how does this impact us as an organization. And because of that, the sales are a bit more complex. Um, Oftentimes, um, B2B uh, sales that, that have a higher, higher touch sales cycle and um, there's, there's more need for buyer education over time. Um, and so content may play even a larger role. And I don't wanna, I don't wanna play down the, the, the significance of content for B2C, it's, content's always important. But the longer your sales cycle, the more opportunity you have to educate a buyer and if a seller isn't educating their buyer, the, the buyer will, 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 will become educated nevertheless. They'll find education, content, resources, tools, comparisons elsewhere from somebody else, from another organization. Yeah, I think we can all relate to the, the B2C funnel <laughs> considering that we've all gone down it at some point, I suppose, if, you, if you've ever bought something online pretty much. And uh, 
there's definitely less risk in it. It's, it's probably easier in that sense because, like you say, there's less people to consult with, less people involved in the process, and it's just more of a personal thing. It reminds me of a story. I can't remember where I heard this from. Uh, it might be a TV show or a movie, or I think it was a Reddit story, but of someone saying that they just do online shopping when they're drunk or when they're really drunk, they order stuff off Amazon. And then a few days later, they receive stuff and they don't remember ordering it. And they look up and they're, oh, I ordered that when I'm drunk. So I, I've never done that, but I find that like such a, a bizarre idea receiving something in the mail and being like, did I order this? And realizing you did it <laughs> when you're drunk. So definitely, yeah, business to consumer sounds like it could be uh, a lot easier. If you're interested in seeing how Publicize can grow your startup, sign up for a free PR assessment on our website. And for a limited time only, exclusively for the loudspeaker listeners, you can receive an SEO assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash lspromo. But you mentioned about content there. And um, I'd love to get into content for the next question and essentially put it to you, like how does content fit into the overall role of these funnels? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I think content um, can take many formats. You can, you know, a company can produce content to educate their buyers and inspire them to, to go through this kind of decision process and consider them as an option. Um, but you can also find content from third parties, um, reviews, um, comparison websites. So when, and I'm, I'm gonna spend more time talking about B2B for, for, for this call. Mm-hmm. Um, in the B2B process, there, there are, are some critical components. One, a buyer is trying to educate themselves and learn more and validate whether this is a, whether they should be making a commitment to change. And so, they're, tr- they're going to get their hands on as much content as they can. And um, the, se- the seller, a salesperson, isn't going to be the only resource for them to, to understand that decision point. Um, they're going to rely on things like blog posts, research reports, um, even podcasts like this, webinars, videos. Um, they're going to be looking at content, not just in terms of comparison guides, but they're going to be looking at all of the different sources of information that can help them make a good decision that will positively impact the company that they're representing. Um, I think oftentimes one of the big challenges I find is that um, companies create content about themselves and it doesn't help the buyer understand that, you know, their, 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 how it, how it impacts their business. Um, and so one of the things I try to do is encourage clients to create content that focuses on the buyer's worldview and it's not autobiographical. It's not just talking about the seller's products, the seller's company, um, but instead we're talking about the buyer, what they care about, the, the, the challenges they're facing, the, the aspirations that they have and, and um, the goals that, 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 um, you know, their commitment can to, to making change can, can bring about. So what I find is that we try to break up content that, so it's appropriate to each of the three stages of the, of the B2B funnel from 
top of the funnel where a company is, is investigating, you know, do we have a challenge that's worth solving? And do we want to make a commitment to change? Is this the right time? Um, you know, how much do we want to commit? Is it, is it, is it significant? How much of an impact is this? Is this, are the, are the challenges that we face, um, affecting us in the middle of the funnel, you're starting to put options on the table. You know, you're starting to like compare options and, and it's not always that you're comparing similar options. You could be comparing, well, do we even take action now? Do we solve this, these challenges ourselves? Do we buy a solution? Do we hire an in-house team to kind of solve this problem? Do we change our processes and our approach? So the options could be quite varied. And in the middle of the funnel, you're exploring these options in more depth. You're trying to understand the options and how they compare to each other. And, 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 and you're, you're also still evaluating the significance of the problems you're wrestling with. Whereas at the bottom of the funnel, funnel we're really in the kind of end stages of the decision cycle. You're starting to, to narrow down the options and, and decide between them. But the risk for a seller is that indecision is always the most critical um, factor, I think. You know, more often than not, a seller isn't competing with some near field competitor. They're competing with indecision. And we see that over and over in the selling process. So content helps to educate, helps to inspire, and helps to guide the decision process. Yeah, I think that's uh, some, some wise words towards the end there. I mean, that's like what we try to do with this podcast, like you mentioned it as content. I know that we try to first help our listeners by giving them access to knowledge and information through talks like these with knowledgeable guests like yourself. And also we like to showcase our own talent in here by interviewing our staff members to show that we know what we're talking about. But I think most importantly, content, like you said, should focus on the challenges that they face. And I've always called them, and I think this is a common term as well, like pain points. That's one thing that I always always go by. So yeah, definitely. I think you, you hit a lot of nails on the head there. Now, I also want to say before this call, you mentioned something about the something about the funnel that interested me. Uh, you said that you wanted to discuss the misconceptions of the consideration phase, why prospects are not considering your company, but rather considering how to solve their problem. And that kind of like uh, what works well um, after what we've just discussed there to lead on to next. So could you expand on this, please? Of course. Yeah, I see this a lot. So I, I, I see a lot of marketers focusing on um, these three stages, awareness, consideration, and decision as being the awareness of a company and their products, the consideration of, of one company's solution to another company's solution as kind of an apples to apples comparison. But I feel like when a, in, in the B2B buying process, it's a bit messier than that. Um, a company may not even be competing against an, a near field competitor. They may be competing against an in-house team, or even they may be competing against indecision. So what, um, what I try to do inside of Iron Paper is um, ensure that the team focuses on what challenges companies have before them that cause them to commit to change, that would cause them to want to invest in solving their problems. Um, you know, companies have all kinds of problems. They, they may have staffing problems, they may have inventory problems, they may have problems with cash flow. There are a whole collection of problems that they're facing, but you can't focus on all your, 
your problems at the same time. You have to set priorities. And, and so naturally, I think it's important to understand what are the priorities of your buyers? And for the seller, what does your solution solve from a business perspective, not just from a technical perspective? You know, what kind of value does it create for a potential client, for a potential customer? And these, these are the factors that would cause a, a, a decision group to take that step forward, to commit to change. And I think that's a, it's a, it's a, it's a more profound way of, of, of addressing and, and communicating um, to buyers and with buyers. And, and, and um, I also think it allows you, it opens up new opportunity for um, you using your interaction with buyers as a feedback loop. I think there's a huge opportunity to learn more from your buyers, to understand to a greater degree what, what, what your buyers care about, um, what they're afraid of, what their concerns are, what they're struggling with, what's preventing them from growing and, and sustaining themselves into the future. And, and by you know, gaining more intelligence and insights on what is compelling their desire to change, what is behind their desire to change, it's a better frame of reference to create content throughout the, the decision process. Yeah. I have to say it reminds me of pain points again. And um, that's, <laughs> that always seems to be the case that it comes down to, but I think it's, it's easy as from my perspective, it seems like as long as it always comes down to like, how are you helping to solve the pain points? Like you said, and you mentioned a few like staffing, for example, then you're on the right track. Now, talking about something slightly different um can you explain the mistakes that b2b companies make when addressing buyers at each point of the funnel <laughs> yeah um i think sometimes it, I, I use this example of from like dating you know you go on a date and you talk all about yourself and you never ask the other person about themselves and and i think that can be very similar to the b2b buying process where um, a lot of companies talk about themselves they talk about their products their solutions their features and buyers can become somewhat dizzy with all of the jargon and, and, um, and kind of insular uh, gobbledygook talk, you know. So what I find is, 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 is a way to break free of that is think about what your buyers care about in their worldview and reframe how you talk about your solutions to fit buyers, the buyer's worldview, the buyer's perspective, you know to fit their business needs and, and their understanding of, of their core problems and, and aspirations as an organization. So yeah. just to say it simply, it's the autobiographical content that I think kills the um, buyer's journey in the selling process. Yeah, I think that comes into sales a lot as well. I had a conversation on here recently with um, one of our top uh, sales, sales team members, a good friend of mine, and he's a very smart guy. Um, very nice. And uh, he was talking about how that that's a big issue in sales. And the one thing that you really have to do is kind of like get to know the, the customer, but also like understand what's appropriate for them. And really the way, only way you can do that is by asking questions and like challenging misconceptions that they might have, obviously in like a, a fair way, not like you're wrong and just shouting at them. But um <laughs> but yeah, like definitely more engagement is needed rather than we're excellent because of this. And this is why you should go with us because we do this. And yeah, hundred percent. So my final question to you, what advice do you have for listeners who want to make the biggest impact at each stage? Yeah, great point. I think 
most important part would be to understand your buyers. And if you can more deeply specialize, find a niche within the kind of different buyer groups that you focus on and, and really zero in on that niche, understand what makes them tick, understand what's causing change in their world and, and, and create a marketing system and a growth engine and a, and a communication system that addresses their needs rather than kind of pushing your product speak and your, your jargon onto them. They won't, that will tune them out. Instead, focus on what matters most to them. Those are wise words. And uh, I think that that is a great place to end uh, today's episode. And if people do want to keep up with you, Jonathan, and the work you're doing at Iron Paper or reach out, how can they do that? Where's the best places for them to find you and keep up with you? Um, our website's probably easiest. Um, it's ironpaper.com, I-R-O-N-P-A-P-E-R.com. Super. We'll include a link to that in the description and anyone can go there for that. But I just want to say thank you for joining me today. It has been a pleasure. Thanks, Samuel.